Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. I almost said guys can read, but it's not. It's Game Store Profits, episode 47. My name is Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. How you doing, Mike? Are, are you busily sticking little price stickers on all kinds of things? I'm, I'm, I've had all, everything's, you know, every price has been stuck, as it were. Um, I've discovered that I have a large supply of weird random stuff in the apartment. Uh, Your stuff, is... or did you collect from people? Yes. Okay. <laughs> the, well, the, the, the truly fun thing is is that, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm setting up, I'm, I'm the chaplain for our local uh, volunteer first aid squad EMTs. And, and he continues to get more awesome. I, you know, I, I keep adding to the resume of awesome. But uh, for for the past 21 years, we've been doing an annual fundraiser to basically allow our guys to keep doing what they do. It's a townwide garage sale that happens the last Saturday in April for the past 21 years. Well, tomorrow, I I have been left. My wife is at a retreat, and she has put me in charge of selling off our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So uh, I see a that, bad sitcom episode happening here it's soon. It's quite it's quite possible, but yeah. So that that has been my day today uh, when I wasn't playing Poker Night at the Inventory, and that has been pretty much what it's going to be. What I'm doing all day tomorrow as well. So are the uh, are the good people of insert name of town here, New Jersey, going to be getting some incredible deals on board and card games tomorrow? Not really. You, you think I let those go? <laughs> Isn't that just junk, though? I mean, the kind of stuff you just get rid of in your uh, whenever you have your garage sale. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I I do have a couple card games that I'm getting rid of for like a buck here or two bucks there, but they're the the small little games that I'm you know not playing. <laughs> I the biggest thing though, I I could have sold my D and D stuff because as we've said over and over again. I'm kind of I'm kind of done with D and D. Like as a system, it doesn't really do anything for me anymore. But I actually got the opportunity to do something way cooler uh, with my D and D stuff because I could have sold it. I could have made some money, um, but instead, I kind of I kind of did what happened to me when I was a kid. When I was a kid, a buddy of mine told me about Dungeons and Dragons, and he told me how to play. And he said, pretty much anybody can run a game like this. So I immediately asked him, what books do I need? What stuff is required for me to run my own game? And so he kind of led me through. He's like, you buy this book and do this and get one of these. Rather than selling my D&D books, I decided that there's one kid who only got to play in one game of our D&D campaign before the, the kids, you know, being high school kids, kind of just their attention got taken by other things and that campaign fell apart and this kid got to play in only one game but he totally got the bug so he kept asking me he's like he's like like man Pern, I really want to I, I want to run a game I want to run a game it's gonna be so awesome I would totally do that but I can't afford the books so I basically hooked him up with all of my D&D stuff except for my minis because those are expensive <laughs> But so, so, so you made the kid a titan. I totally made the kid a titan. It, uh, it, 
if any, yeah, we, we it's a callback. They have to listen to the previous we, episodes. We, we, I, I, well, I forgot that we re- we referenced it, and if you didn't, then shame there, on you. There's a really there's a really great moment in the, in this week's Table Titans as well, and I, I I've always loved Scott Kurtz, but man, what he's doing with Table Titans is just it's hitting all my buttons. I I love this man even more than I did before. Very nice. Well, you know, speaking of uh, abandoning D and D. Uh, I am next Wednesday going to be playing in my first path- Pathfinder campaign. Ooh! So yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's fun, right? So those who've been listening for a long time know that right about when we started this show, maybe a little bit before we started this show, uh, I, like a lot of other people recently, got back into D and D, kind of with the release, I guess, of Fourth Edition. Fourth Edition called a lot of us back right straight away. Well, and really what it was, was uh, they did Encounters. Yes. Right, and uh, Encounters are kind of a pickup game, but already prepped, and, and they gave all the materials to the game stores and, and all of that, and so it was really, really easy to get connected again. And I, I started playing, and it had been a long time since I'd done any role-playing, and so, you know, I kind of picked up on the rules of 4th Edition and realized it was really pretty different and all of that. Well... Uh, Pathfinder does something similar. They uh, they have a campaign setting that is an organized play. And, yes, the Pathfinder know, Society. Right. And so I found out that our friendly local game store has a Pathfinder Society meeting every other Wednesday. So that sounds fun. I'm going to do that. And I can get the Pathfinder book for 10 bucks as a PDF. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, you can. So I bought the book and I start reading through it and I... It, it, it hits me. Oh, man. This is so much more complex. Oh, yeah, it is. This is old school stuff here, man. Pathfinder uh, is basically 3.5. It's 3.5 streamlined a little bit. Right. And uh, But it's still... I mean, it makes 4th edition look like... You know, a baby game. <laughs> I mean, uh, and so I'm pretty excited to uh, to go through and be making a character right now uh, that is going to fit into the uh, Pathfinder Society world and uh, going to be playing soon. I've been spending a lot of time at the game store and a lot of time say, gaming at home as well. So that's it's been a it's been a good couple of weeks. I was about to say because weren't you last week just or last episode just talking about? The fact that you're going to kick up a new Battletech game. Well, that's happening tomorrow. So I will be uh, doing the first game in our new... We're calling it the small-scale Battletech campaign because there is a humongous-scale Battletech campaign that happens at our game store. Uh, but for those who do not have 10 hours to play, right? Uh, we're going to do a, a small-scale campaign. We'll see how it goes. We're just going to see how many people show up tomorrow. And uh, just kind of see see what happens, see maybe if it can turn into an ongoing thing. Um, but I've also been, you know, kind of decided, uh, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, a month ago maybe, that uh, I kind of become that guy, you know, the guy who says he loves gaming but really spends more of his time reading blogs and talking about gaming than gaming. Than actual gaming? <laughs> yeah. And I uh, kind of decided, you know what, uh, man, this is either something I love or it's not. It is something I love. So I, I've really been trying to, to take more time. And thankfully, my life at this point 
is much more open to that kind of thing than it might have been even a year ago. And so I've been spending a lot of time, uh, and right about at the same time all of this was happening, a, a local board game group got together, started meeting, of course, at our friendly local game store. And uh, then I find out that there's this Pathfinder group that's gotten together, and I also have started playing Magic again, uh, oh. and... And it's easy I, to find magic players. Oh, I will say a prayer for you and your wallet. You know what, dude? It's so much easier to play and get into the game now, and so much cheaper, that I was worried. I was like, man, I'm going to have to spend like hundreds and hundreds of dollars to be I, able to play with these guys. I probably it's really not the case. For, I probably could have paid for my first year of college on the amount of cards I freaking bought. I'm not bitter, though. Well, you know, look, okay, so so nowadays, I I played Magic when I was younger, but that was like literally almost 20 years ago. Um, wow, that makes me feel old. Yeah, and, you know, at the time, I did the same thing you did. I bought a ton of cards, and you could still totally do that, right? Because they come out with uh, three expansions a year, basically, plus the yearly expansion, so kind of four expansions a year. Um, but there are there are different deck construction rule sets. Uh, the one that they call standard is the one that is like the moneymaker, right? Because you can basically only play with this year's cards. Right. And the, the nice thing about that is they do a really good job of for 15 bucks, you can buy a starter deck and you totally play with that deck and you're, you'll be just fine. I mean, you're not going to beat, like, a high-end player, but the average dude down at the game store, you can hang with him. Um, but if you want to get into that, like, tournament level, you're right. You do have to spend a lot of money. And most of these guys, they just buy the cards individually now. They don't even buy packs except for doing drafts. That's so weird. Yeah, I think it's strange, too. Everybody's like, hey, do you want to buy this card for me? No, man. I'll either get it out of my thing or I'm not going to have it. Um... But there's another deck construction rule set called Modern. Uh, basically, after about the 8th edition of Magic, there was a kind of a, a rule shift, a 2.0 kind of a thing. And any card since then is legal in this kind of deck construction. Well, here's the thing. is You can buy, because everybody's playing standard, you can buy older cards for literally next to, I mean, three cents a card. The collectible factor of them has kind of fallen by the wayside. Oh, it has, unless they're very, very old. Uh, but because all of these kind of competition players are p buying all of the new stuff, once things are out of a year old, they're of no use to them anymore. And so guys like me, who are like, I don't care, I just want to play the game, I pick up I literally bought a thousand cards for twenty bucks, and I, I I can play. I can build dozens of decks out of that for twenty bucks, and play for all kinds of time. And uh, so yeah, it's actually it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, but you know, as we have said, <laughs> uh, gaming is not a cheap hobby. No. Oh, man, no, it isn't. Uh, and I have actually had a hard time with 
uh, that because I'm trying to bring gaming into my house with my family. One step at a time, Dude, time. I'm telling you. And the thing is, is you really have to make like a plan almost. I, I, I know I do. Of like, okay, I'm going to start the family with this game because it's kind of simple. Um, and then we're going to try this. And then we're gonna. I, I might expand here, and so I, 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 I almost have like a leveling progression of games in mind for my family. Um, you know, I started them with a game called Pennywise, and uh, actually, you were talking uh, uh, several episodes back uh, about a game called Kill Doctor Lucky. Yes, uh, Derek White brought that up, and I haven't. I've only seen it played. I've never played it myself. But yeah, Kill Dr. Lucky is definitely well, a thing. Uh, that is actually a free game. And yes. it uh, it's put out by um, a company called... Um, <laughs> Whose name that you have a hard yeah. time saying on we'll, the show. We'll, we'll call nature. it uh, Cheap Patukas uh, Games. <laughs> um, and they also put out a game called Pennywise, which is played literally with coins. Yes. And so that was a game that... Uh, you know, my kids, they're they're pretty young. They're seven and nine, but, you know, they're smart kids. And so it's kind of mathematical a little, a little bit. But, I mean, it's something really easy to do and really obvious. And every, the kids know what coin values are and stuff like that. So we started with that. And uh, now we are on to Flux. Oh, Flux is genius. Which and, one did you get? Well, I got Family Flux. Okay. Um, you know, and... I it's a little bit simpler than Flux. Well, it's the same as the original Flux in terms of complexity. Because the newer Fluxes are more complex than the original Flux. Yeah, out of the out of all the ones I've played so far, I enjoy Star Flux the most, but I've been told on good authority that I have to play Cthulhu Flux because that has some fun rules to it. Right. Uh, um, so we've been playing that, and it's fun, uh, and the kids love playing. Um, but you can kind of see that they're like, uh, which card do I play next? Uh, especially with some of the action cards. They're like, I don't know if this action, this is right. I mean, they definitely get the goals and the keepers and all that, but and the new rules, they love the new rules. <laughs> and uh, the fact that there's a children's bo- bonus in the uh, Family Flux game, uh, they love that. There's, there, there's a child bonus. Yes, yeah, it's a new rule. If you're a child, if you're under the age of twelve, then you get to use this bonus. That's fun. Yeah. So, so I've been thinking pretty hard about what the next game is going to be for our family. I really want to play Mice and Mystics with our, my kids. Oh, I, I swear that I will play that with with my children. You know, if if we have kids at any point. I will go out of my way to find that game and play it because it's the closest experience of, you know, me as a kid playing Hero right. Quest with my dad running that for me that I can pass on to the generation is playing Mice and Mystics. Yeah, so I really want to do that, but it's... And as much as everybody says, it's, oh, it's real simple. It's not. It's it's, it's more simpler than a hardcore Euro game. Right. But it's got a lot of stuff going on, so I'm thinking about something. I want to do something cooperative and relatively simple. So you know, Forbidden not pandemic. Island. So okay, For- Forbidden Island. I've thought For- about Castle Panic. Castle Panic is good. Forbidden Island. I, I've often joked 
that Forbidden Island is my first pandemic. Okay. <laughs> because the actual mechanics of do this many actions, take this many cards, whoop, floodwaters are rising, it's pretty much pandemic in a much more streamed down, kid-friendly kind of a situation. All right, well, I will definitely check that out. And folks, if you have an idea, if you've got like, okay, my kids are nine and seven, and they are lovely and innocent wonderful children okay so if if you have something that you think fits into that category for me i would absolutely love to know please come and go to facebook and tell us what you're playing with your family i really really want to know so there you go that's uh that's everything i've been doing well i've been playing bioshock too uh and uh, oh, somewhere jealous. in there, I played the Game of Thrones board game and uh, King of Tokyo. And I love King of Tokyo. Have I said that recently? I adore uh, that game. Anything where you can be a giant monster is a good thing. Yeah, the king is the greatest monster of them all, in my opinion. He's a giant King Kong. The, well, the giant bunny robot that's actually piloted by a bunny rabbit is also kind of entertaining. I played as the big Sasquatch guy. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, I've been busy a lot of time down at the game store trying to uh, uh, trying to hook them up a little bit. Um, it's an interesting thing, you know, because you go to a game store, right? And and there are there's clearly a couple of audiences at any game store. Okay. You, Right, and and maybe I'm wrong, but this has been the situation at every game store I've ever seen. Maybe you can tell me what you think. There are the youngins. Yes. Okay. There are the 23-year-old guy. The typical audience, yes. <laughs> the the one who's like, you know, hey, I've got no responsibilities. I have a job. I have some money. Okay. Right. And then there's the old dude. Us. Which I am now the old dude. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Now, at our particular game store, there are actually a lot of that uh, that kind of middle group because we're in a military town. Oh, that, yeah. That would make sense. But, as you might know, if you, let's say, tried to start a church here, <clears throat> me, uh, people come and go a lot in a military town. Right. So, you know, there are people in and out, in and in and out, but it's hard for them to get, like, solid return customers because people are coming and going so often. Uh, and then there are kids, and kids are poor. Though not as poor as we were, but they're still poor and cheap and would much rather buy all their stuff at Target because it's cheaper. Because it's cheaper. And so I'm there, and I'm like... I'm watching people come in, spend the entire day there, and leave, and not spend a dime. Right. And I don't feel good about that. I, I, I mean, you know, they're very cool people, and they, they want to open up the place and, and just come in and let you play. They have awesome game tables and everything, just like a game store should, right? But it's like, I don't feel good about that. I want to I spend some money every time I'm there. I want to support them every time I'm there. You know, even if it's just a couple of magic boosters or... Or uh, some new dice or whatever. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, it's, the more I become part of the community there and get to know the owners, and of course, as the old guys, we get to know the owners because they're old too. <laughs> so we have things in because common. They're not that much different than us. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and uh, so yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I'm having a, a, a real good time, uh, and I will tell you this: I have, I've, uh, I've maybe mentioned it to a couple of the uh, the youngins that are there. It is so much more fun to game when you have an income. Yeah, it is. So much more fun when you're like, ah, that looks awesome. I think I'm gonna buy it. <laughs> Speaking of awesome things in gaming and 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 being able to afford these things, uh, did you ever do that Kickstarter for the 3D tiles that I posted? I, ha- I haven't done it yet, but I uh, de- de- definitely fan. looked at it. I'm a big fan of putting up on our Facebook page pretty much anything awesome I find on Kickstarter in my random trolling for awesome. And I recently, because when 3D uh, dungeon tiles first came out, I thought they were the greatest thing ever, but they were also that thing that I could never afford. Right. These were hundreds of dollars at the time. I mean, it was a small fortune. They looked amazing. But unless you were like the guys from Penny Arcade where these guys just showed up at their door and said, here, play with this, the rest of us couldn't afford that. Well, apparently this technology is getting cheaper and cheaper and more and more gamers are utilizing it because there's a guy who will give you a basic set, which, you know, isn't too extravagant, but gets the job done. Maybe like three rooms. Right. For like 45 bucks. 40 bucks. 45 bucks. And you know what? They don't. The truth is, they don't look as nice as the like hundred and fifty dollars sets. Right, but who but needs they still that? look pretty darn good. <laughs> and and did you look at all of the like add-on accessories? Oh yeah, those are nice, man. Treasure chests and random barrels, and I wanted them all. Gates and doors, and I mean, it was awesome. But yeah, alas, I could not justify to the family budget that I needed $45 worth of dungeon tiles. Well, you know, and look, I played with a piece of paper. Oh, yeah, I I grew up in the in the graph paper era. I, I mean, you know, I mean, that's what it used to be called. It used to be called pencil and, and paper, paper, man. Yeah. Pen and paper. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of hoping... I'm I'm wondering uh, because uh, you know I'm reading through the Pathfinder book that you can use minis, but you don't have to. They're more for reference with Pathfinder than they are a requirement. Yeah, like I'm kind of looking forward to the whole like, yeah, I'm gonna move uh, up onto this bookcase, you know, or or I'm gonna try to uh, hide behind this little stone goblin or whatever, and just talk about it. And just tell the story because I think, I think it's going to open up more opportunity to do cool stuff. Well, it, not to you know rehash or anything, but that's been my thing. It's a reason why I'm kind of falling out of love with D and D is because D and D has become very board gamey. It's you can't go there unless you have the stat. I'm like, I, it's a table. It's right there. Why can I not jump on it? Um. For me, the reason why I'm going into things like Pathfinder and these other uh, systems that are out there 
is I want to get back to the rule of awesome where people feel like they, they're not looking at their sheets wondering, can I move six spaces and get there? It's, I'm going to come up with the coolest thing that's going to happen that is so awesome that my DM's just going to let it happen because the world is better for having it happened than having it not. Dude, I love that. I love how you just said that. The rule of awesome, right? Uh, I'm, I'm coming to realize that one of my favorite things in games, and it doesn't matter what kind of game, whether you're talking a video game, a board game, a role-playing game, um, uh, uh, a, um, a card game, uh, a tabletop war game, um, and it's less than tabletop war games, but one of my favorite things is when you can say, I want to do this. And the rules and the system let you give it a shot. That That's awesome. That's what I love. You know, you come up with stuff that the game designers never could have thought about. But they put a, a wide enough system that you can do it. One of the you know, one of the coolest things that happened to that that I totally did rule of cool, um, was in the last Victoriana game I ran. Uh, one of the guys was the the magic system is completely different in Victoriana than in other systems, but this guy was a specific type of he could do a specific type of magic, but the thing about it was is that. It was, he had to etch, like, runes into things in order for them to be, you know, magically enhanced, as it were. So he either had to have, like, a little rock with him that he had previously etched, or he had to actually etch things into the, the items. But the thing is, is that he didn't want to be a registered mage. And so he was, he was basically practicing magic illegally, which is a thing in Victoriana. And so everything he had to do is he had to be secretive about it. Well, at one point he was trying to, to earn the respect of this one character who basically was a circus performer. He was a, a marksman in a circus. Like he was a trick shoot, a trick shooter. And so the guy says, you know, the, the guy who's playing says, I want to walk up and I want to write a rune in, in the guy's gun. And I go, all right, well, what sort of rune do you want to use? And he goes, knowledge. And I'm like, why on earth are you etching a rune of knowledge onto this guy's gun? He goes, because I want to be a better shot than him. And I've never shot a gun in my life. <laughs> so I need to learn how to shoot. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, no. I'm not even making you roll dice. That happens. <laughs> and and that 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 little thing, that whole I'm not going to make you roll dice to see if you etch that rune in led to this very awesome moment where all my players were literally on the edge of their seats because it came down to they were they were doing best out of 5 and it came down to that final roll. And the guy lost. But and, and and so I, I on the fly I, I said if this guy had if if my player had beat this NPC, he was gonna spill his guts, he was gonna spill everything he knew because no one would beat him, and if you beat him, you must be amazing, so you deserved to know everything. 
but he didn't. He lost. But he was this NPC was so impressed that he was the first person to give him a challenge in so long that he gave him one he he could ask one question and whatever he asked the NPC would answer truly. And my whole party was like, "Oh man, that's so cool." And that whole moment if I relied on whether or not he rolled the dice properly to to put that little, you know, to to carve that little symbol into the gun handle would have been lost if if the dice weren't there. And yeah, I want that moment. <laughs> we well, yeah, we it's, still it's, we still talk about that moment. The, the, it's it's about creating content together. Right. Not just playing the content in the game. Uh, you know, I've been playing EVE Online uh, lately, and they are, like, n- next week or two weeks from now, uh, is the 10th anniversary. Okay. And e- wow, every it's year, been long that, it's been that long. Yeah, man. every year they do a thing called EVE Fan Fest, which is, a you know, basically all the EVE nerds get together and talk about EVE. Right. Um, but, of course, this year it's an extra special big deal because it's the 10th anniversary. And so there's been a lot of like retrospectives talking about. So the the lead dude, the uh, the CEO of the company, is talking about when when they first released the game, like literally the month they released the game, uh, is when his wife has their first baby. And so he takes and and they're the CCP, the company behind Eve, is an Icelandic company. They they get paternity leave. And so he takes paternity leave. So you, can you imagine, right? This is like the first couple of weeks of their game being out, and the C, the uh, CEO takes paternity leave. Um, and so he's at home. He's got this month off, and he realizes, like, you know what? Babies and uh, newly new mothers sleep a lot. And he kind of found himself like, I don't, I don't have, I have all this time. I'm on vacation, what am I going to do? And he starts playing some video games, and he's like, well, maybe I should play Eve. And he said he was miserable. Because every time he sat down to play, all he saw was all of the stuff that was broken about it. Right? And uh, then somebody invited him into a corp, a corporation. He's like, well, I don't know, should I do this? Should I not? I mean... He's like, ah, I'll just lie about who I am, because obviously you can't tell him, oh, yeah, I know everything about this game. I'm the, <laughs> the CEO of the company. I wrote the code <laughs> for that. Right. And uh, so he joins this little industrial comp- uh, corp, and, and they say, hey, well, we're doing a, a, some corp mining. Uh, do you want to come along? And he's like, well, what's corp mining? He's like, ah, don't worry, we'll show you. And so they're all out. They get to the asteroid field. And uh, they start doing their mining, and one of the miners throws out a jet can, which is uh, basically a a mechanism in the game. You can put this humongous, ridiculous uh, canister out in space that's far bigger than any of your ships could be, Um, and everybody starts putting their ore in the jet can. And then a hauler comes in and takes the ore out of the jet can, and takes it back to station, all the while the miners are keep doing their mining. Well, these days, it's 
perfectly it's that's standard operating procedure but the ceo of the company was like what are these guys doing he, they had they had never considered that players would do that they had only put the jet can in as a means of trading stuff in space and they had made it big so that they wouldn't have to change it at some point in the future but these enterprising characters had come together and thought, you know what, if we use this thing and we get together and we work together, we, and he's like, at that moment, I was like, we have a hit, you know, and obviously it took a long time for that to the game to really be a hit. But he was like, they did something that I, I this is the, the CEO of the company would never have expected them to do. And that's awesome. Right. If the, if you do something the game master has no idea you're going to do, that's awesome. If you can do something the designers don't even know that you can do, that's awesome. And it's it is it's this idea that we are creating this stuff. We are creating this story together. And man, I love that. I love that about gaming. Well, that that's even in uh in Minecraft, that was the big thing. Like all the stuff that's in Minecraft with all the redstone and everything. Most of that stuff, they didn't write in the code. It was, these guys are playing Minecraft, and they go, what if we put this with this? And there's, you know, Notch sitting there going, huh, that's kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, well, and I think it's, you know, that's one of the, the awesome things now, especially that we have so much more data and so much more communication now um, that you know, we can kind of create these worlds that foster uh, creativity, you know. And it used to, you know, you think about like the, 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 the archetypal board game, Monopoly, right? And I know you have negative opinions about Monopoly. I do. Fine. But, you know, every Monopoly game, or every game of life, or every uh, fill-in-the-blank, they all play out the same. But now, you know, designers, whether it's board games or video games or whatever, they are building in opportunities for us to have a say in the story. And, and I think that's really cool. Well, that's, yeah, that's a huge part of, of why, if you look at, at what games I find the most entertaining, a lot of them involve that kind of thing um one of my favorite card games of all time is is one called once upon a time which i'm excited because apparently the next week's episode of tabletop or when this airs this week's episode of tabletop um is them playing once upon a time and i'm very excited about that it's basically a storytelling card game it's the greatest thing ever so it Anything that involves, you know, the creation of, of this content of this world together, heck, that's why we did D and D. That's that's the major appeal of role playing games, is not the the number crunching and the the ridiculousness. I mean, some people get into that, but I would probably say the majority of the people get into D and D or pick a system in in order to create content in order to to tell stories together. Yeah, well, I, I definitely agree. Now, lately, strangely... Oh, we're going to talk about Pat Robertson, aren't we? There have been people who don't. 
Agree. Yeah, we're gonna talk about Pat. I, w- I was really hoping we wouldn't talk about Pat Robertson. We, we have to. to. This is our job. This is uh, our show. We. Yeah. I mean, you can't not. I mean, look. Okay, the guy's a nutball. Everybody knows that he's a nutball. If you don't think he's a nutball, don't listen to this show anymore. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the world goes dark. No, uh, I, I, I don't think we lost any listeners just now. I, I don't think. I really don't. Either, I'm pretty pretty confident. But, uh, you know, I, if I just don't get it for those of you, we, we do have to set this up because not everybody has heard about. Okay, this. go ahead. Um, Pat Robertson on his show, the 700 club, they get emails and, and letters from people all the time. And this one person apparently wrote in to ask if it's okay to play a game that has magic involved in it. And Pat's basic response is, well, there's that game Dungeons & Dragons. That'll straight up ruin your life. Yeah, I mean, look, okay, I think basically he's an old guy who was just like, well, this is what we talked about in the 80s. Um, but, but let's, you know, we should actually... No, I don't. I mean, it's ridiculous, okay? <laughs> I get, I do, I get in 1981, people might have been afraid of the thing. Because it seemed, I'm sure that in, at the time, it did seem a little weird, you know? I mean, but for goodness sake, it's been 30 years. I, I, it, it's not scary, okay? It's, I just, that's all I got to say. <laughs> I, I, I can't do anything more. Well, the, the, craziest, the craziest thing, the, the more I look into the life of, of Gary Gygax, the more I realize is that Gary's a Christian. All fantasy came from Christians. Tolkien, George Christian. McDonald, George McDonald, Christian. C.S. Lewis. G.K. <laughs> Chesterton, all of them. G- oh, G.K. Chesterton, absolutely. Uh, it's... The Fae is the spiritual world. Well, it is God. I, 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 there was a video that came out a while back, and obviously it's a dramatization, and nobody knows if this conversation actually happened or not. But the whole idea was... It, it's it's fact. It is documented fact that J.R.R. Tolkien is the one who led C.S. Lewis to Christ. Uh, which, you know, there might be somebody out there listening right now who didn't know that. Yes, Tolkien, the guy who is often blasted by the same people that, you know, are in the Pat Robertson camp here that D&D is evil. Lots of people will say that Tolkien is, is into magic and devil worship and all this stuff. Tolkien is actually the one who led C.S. Lewis to Christ. Now, let us understand. It was did not look like what we talk about now as evangelical Christians as leading somebody to Christ. However, no. they are good friends. They are both very deep philosophical people. C.S. Lewis is influenced by Tolkien to accept his faith. Well, and, and that's the thing. Like, we're looking for... When we say somebody leads you to, to to Christ, we're often brought to this whole concept of he did a, a point-by-point right, point gospel right. presentation, mm-hmm. and then C.S. Lewis was, was drawn to his faith, and he said a prayer that, you know, let Jesus in. No, that's, that, that not didn't how, <laughs> that's not how this went down. But this doc, this dramatization, which is based off of a lot of the letters and the the interactions that have been recorded between Lewis and Tolkien uh basically had 
had Tolkien look to to C.S. Lewis and say, the concept that there is something other than this world opens the door to the fact that there could be something beyond this. And just the knowledge that, that there is something beyond this makes me hunger and thirst to know what that is. And, and again, that's not a direct quote, but it's kind of an extrapolation from all the stuff that, that Tolkien did say to C.S. Lewis. This idea that the concept that there is more to life than the empirical, that there is this, this aspect of otherness about existence, and that aspect of otherness doesn't replace God, it isn't God itself, it's the notion that there has to be something bigger outside, not us. And the more you look for that thing, you find God. So we, we talk about, I, I have so much to say, so I'm going to throw in a couple quick things and then I'll talk about some of the bigger things. Do it. Okay, if you are willing to deal with a hard read, okay, it's a hard read. I think I know what you're going. But you need to read Tolkien's lecture slash essay called On Fairy Stories. Yes. It's going to take you maybe two or three times through it to figure out what he's talking about, but you you definitely want to uh, listeners you definitely want to consider that if you're not interested in the kind of hardcore philosophical like you have to figure out Tolkien's brain and he's smarter than you so it's not easy to do <laughs> uh version then go and read a story, one of his short stories called leaf by nickel yes and you'll cry if you don't cry you have no soul yeah you i do. mean it's 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 beautiful, right? This incredible story about how we are created and about how we, we can foolishly go about uh, trying to, to to achieve God's grace. And we can just, I mean, it's great, right? Oh my goodness, read the creation account in the Silmarillion. Well, that's even harder than that. But I love well, it, dude. I'm, it's all I'm... music, man. It's just music. Uh, but... Okay, so that that that's kind of the uh the uh the the quick stuff. So there are God made us. He designed us with hooks that would lead us to him. And you know, Paul talks about this at the beginning of Romans. You know, he talks about the the way nature is a hook that leads us to him. But there are many ways by which we gain access to, and now here's the tough part, because it's very difficult to put words on things without, you know, invoking other ideas. Right. But, but let's just say it, it opens us up to spiritual reality. And Tolkien's going to say that fantasy, that the fae, is one of those things. You know, uh, if you talk to a Buddhist, they're going to tell you that Meditation is one of those things, and they're absolutely right. You know, there are quite a number of things, and they, you can actually put some diodes on somebody's head and measure these things, but... And they are. There are people out there doing it. Oh, that. absolutely. And we are... So I'm, I'm not trying to be, like, you know, super spiritual here. We were literally built to connect with God. 
and there are mechanisms, art and uh, friendship, all of these things, where, and, and you know it when you feel it. You know when you feel like, I'm in a different place. I, I have somehow opened a veil. I've somehow achieved a different level, and I, I'm here, and I, I can feel God's presence with me. And you know that, and as believers, we can name him as, as Yahweh God, but, but I experienced those things before I came to Christ. I just didn't know what it was. But it was right. God hooking me. And for me, playing games together, imagining worlds together, is a hook. It connects me to God. And it was one of the things that God used to bring me to him when I was 17 years old. And it is now one of the things that God uses to disciple me, to cause me to grow, to cause me to reconnect with him when I'm not as connected as I want to be. And it it's it's not only incredibly inane for somebody to say that Dungeons and Dragons or Harry Potter or Magic Cards or fill in the blank are going to teach you how to be a spellcaster in the real world. But a- according to Jack Chick, I'm going to get actual magical powers by playing this game. And that if I get to a high enough level, I'm going to join a, a, a suicide cult. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, it just, it, it really, it irks me when that's what they're saying. And I am trying to communicate, and I know you're trying to communicate, how important this is for us in our connection with God. This is not just something we do because we like it. We like it. Don't get us wrong. It's not, you know, I like candy bars, too. But I don't have a connection to God when I eat a candy bar. Well, I've I've often said, like, obviously, and you probably know this more than I do, because you've just been at it longer than I have. But, you know, I'm coming up on one year of being married. And the big thing that you'll always get told is is that marriage is a series of compromises. Because you're you're getting used to living with another person and, and sharing every moment with this other person who doesn't always think the way you do. And so I'm, I'm still neck deep in that. We're, I mean, it's going to be the kind of thing that we're processing through the rest of our existence. And I'm super excited about that. It does tail off after a while. I'm sure it does. <laughs> but the one thing I told, I told my wife, I said, I, I, I can't see myself not having gaming in my life. Like, you can tell me that there are certain games you don't want me to play because they make you uncomfortable. You can tell me, you know, there are certain things you don't want to see happen. Uh, we've already, I've already shared on, on the air before that my Victoriana game, a, a campaign that I had in my head that I thought would be really cool about uh, basically Victorian Ghostbusters... I couldn't do because my wife's like no spirits, no undead, certainly no demons. And I said, okay, well, I kind of can't do my idea that I was thinking of then, but I gave that up because it's important to her, but I made it quite clear to her. I go, ask me to give up my games and I'm not going to be happy because they've been so, I've literally been, been playing Dungeons and Dragons longer than I've known Christ. Oh yeah. 
And that's not to say that it somehow trumps that because that's stupidity. Uh, there, there's not a chance in the world that those two things are even existing on the same plane. Now, all right, here, let's... Boy, this is a hard conversation to have because I just want to yell and scream about this being stupid. Um, <laughs> we, but... we can yell and, and say it's stupid, but we have to do it intellectually and thoughtfully. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to try to be thoughtful here. There we go. Um, I suppose that it is possible that a person who is playing Dungeons and Dragons might become interested in the occult because of that. That said, I don't think I would have come to Christ when I did, where is it not, for Dungeons and Dragons. For Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. Because in playing Dungeons and Dragons, in taking on these roles, in playing through these adventures, and having these experiences, I, as an individual, became more attuned to the possibility of more than my atheistic life. And, you know, at the time, I would have told you there was no God. But as I started playing these games, it opened my mind to the possibility. Like you said with Tolkien, it, it, it just does enough to turn on your brain and say, you know, what if? Maybe I should consider this, at least. And so I have to be honest and say, look, it's possible that somebody would say, well, maybe I'll consider the occult. But there's nothing inherent in it that drives it one way or another. And that's the key. There's nothing in it that says, you know, one way is better than the other. And it is, it's one of those situations where I know so many more people who are Christians who game. I don't know anybody who's a uh, an occultist who games. I, I've never met that person before. Uh, and so, you know, look, okay, it is a possibility, but there's not, there is a, there could be a correlation, but there is not a causation. Is that intellectual enough? Yeah, you yeah, mm-hmm. I think that you used all the right words. Okay. The the, the, the big vocabulary there. Right. Um, now I'm just going to say it's stupid. Yeah, and and the big I think the biggest thing for me like like we've often said and and we'll continue to say it because it's something that we feel very strongly about here. It's the idea that if you are under conviction that this is leading you away from God, stop. Oh, yeah. Don't play this if it's taking you away from your relationship with Christ. Anything, or your wife, or your wallet, bu- or your And I'm going wallet, to say this again. Anything that takes you away from Christ is wrong. That being said, there's nothing inherently in this game that's going to do that. No. And it's, it may be taking you away from Christ, but that does not mean it's taking me away from Christ. You cannot make that jump. Right. It's the game is not a tool of Satan any more than Satan uses anything. Right. Everything can be a tool of Satan. Right. But that doesn't mean we lock ourselves in a vault and never see the sun again. Wait. Sun? 
Yes, uh, despite common uh, misconception, gamers do actually go outside. I did go outside today, thank you very much. I've actually run D&D games outside. Ooh. Was yeah. It cir- was it in a circle with like a druidic grove? And- there were candles and ah, Yes. No, teaching no, teach, teaching them how to cast. Bit, yeah. Oh, just, Sorry, I, just, I'm so annoyed at this. That- the, it, that's the thing. It's this uh, this understanding of ignorance. It's it's mazes and monsters all over again. Yeah, and and that's oh boy. Mazes and monsters. Look it up on YouTube, people. Look it, it up on the, YouTube. The, the entire movie is on YouTube. You'll never be able to see a Tom Hanks movie again without giggling. Um, it's, it's so ridiculous. Basically, the concept of this movie is is it's. Dungeons and Dragons made somebody kill each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, can I say something? Sure. Gamers are like the nicest people I know. The ones that we hang out with, anyway. You know, I mean, I suppose... It, I honestly think that the jerk gamer... They've kind of gone away. They are much more in the minority than they than they used to be. You know, and I think at this point there's enough nice gamers that the jerk gamers just kind of get silenced and pushed aside. Right. Um, you know why? Because really what we want is we want to share what we love. And and that's what the show is about. You know, and that's what hobbies are supposed to be about. And guess what? That's what Following Christ is supposed to be about. And, you know, I... I I, I mean, I, I, boy, this has been a tough episode. So let me let me go at it this way. I can just see the the rage building up behind you. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm trying to go happy. I'm trying to go happy. Um, well, I I can I can definitely take us into a happy place. With okay, this. please do help me out. See, this is this is the way I see it. Um, I've often said that when I run games, I I pray for my players. And a lot of people are like, that's really kind of silly. And I don't think it is. Because this is how I view my games. If I'm playing with a bunch of of Christians, and there have been games that I've run that are almost, if not entirely, played by Christians. And in those situations, I said, I want them to learn something in the scenarios that I put forth in the things that they experience, in the stories that we tell that bring them closer to God. I want that to happen. I want this to be more than just a game. Because if it's just a game, we could probably fire up my Xbox and and just play a game. I have a lot of them. They're fun. Playing this is about creating stories and and being able to deal with stuff on a deeper level and really dig into the meat of stuff that's around you and and character flaws and character successes outside of you. And so this game is full of awesome. There have been other times, though, that my prayer has been different because the people I I, I play with aren't Christians. The D&D game that I've been playing in off and on for the past, I think, like four years now, 
Um, not a one of them's a Christian that I can tell. And I pray for those guys too. I don't run that game. I'm I'm a player in that game. But I've often figured out that that this is not just again, it's not just a game. I look at this this game that I I connect with these guys, I tell stories with these guys, I hang out with these guys. These guys quickly become brothers. Every I had the hardest time coming up with the guest list for my wedding, but I promise you my gamer group was all invited because I have I have been through a lot with these guys and it all started because we got around this table. I pray in those games that somehow I might be able to explain to somebody that Christ is real. I'm currently and it and it shows up in the in, most interesting ways because I'm currently playing an evil character in that game. Alignment-wise, I'm evil. But there are two things that I, I've said that kind of sit with some of the guys, and some of them have mentioned this to me. One, I said I would love to play an evil character because I think it's fun, but I refuse to play what I refer to as a puppy kicker. I'm not evil for the sake of evil. My guy's the kind of evil, and, and I don't want to go too much into that because it's a character story and whatever, and I think I've already told it. This guy isn't a puppy kicker. He just thinks he's right all the time. He he's the Doctor Horrible of this game. He just the world is a mess and he just wants to rule it. But I also told the GM, I'm like I'm like, this guy wants power at all costs because he thinks that he has the divine right to rule. I don't want that to go well for him. And the my my GM looks at me and he's like, What do you you don't want it to go well? I go I go, this is what's gonna happen. Either my my guy is going to have a moment when he gets everything he wants and it's going to destroy him. It's either going to lead one of two ways, depending on how my GM sets it up. It's either going to end with his redemption when he realizes that the path he's been going down has led him to just be a broken waste of a shell of a man. Or... He's going to go insane. And the the lust for power and the, the, the me first and everyone else be damned, because that's how he thinks, that that, that attitude is going to drive him stark raving mad. And I said, depending on the circumstances you put me in, I'll let you know which one I want to do. And I actually told him, I have a backup character ready to go, if and when we go the crazy route. <laughs> I've even said to him, if, if it gets so bad that my guy goes really, really crazy, turn my guy into a bad guy. Turn my guy into the villain of this campaign. Nice. I like that. Because I told him, I said, I said, my guy doesn't get to win. My guy is evil, and I feel really uncomfortable if he gets to win. I said, but, and, and people look at me and they're like, why do you want to play this guy if you don't want him to win? And I said, because he's an awesome character. He's a character study to me. I have played this game with this guy. His name is Thomas Mycroft. And yes, I did steal that name from Sherlock Holmes' brother. Thomas's goal in life is to be 
better than everyone and he sees himself as better than everyone and he believes that if if he were just put in charge everything would be better and he's stepping on people he is lying to we have a, a, a the, my buddy is playing a cleric a very zealous cleric and my guy lies to his face saying that he believes in the same god that he does my guy doesn't get to win doing that uh, there are small victories, and my guy has gotten way too much good stuff from just playing this guy, manipulating him. And while I'm okay with small victories, the ultimate end does not end with me doing well. What I'm trying to say is, is that I'm telling these guys that evil doesn't win in the real world, and I believe that. And I'm doing it through a character that I'm playing in a game. I'm telling a story of either justice or redemption, and I'm doing it in a game. They will never come to hear me preach a sermon, but they will hear me talk about Thomas Mycroft's backstory for hours. Hmm. You know, I think, you know, maybe it's, maybe we can make it pretty simple. I love games. And... I actually believe that God made me to love games. Oh, yeah. Whether he put it into my DNA or whether I, I, he led me through a series of experiences in my life to bring me to the point where I love to play games. And I have a choice. I can either play games or I can't. I could say, you know, those are silly, I'm too busy, I need to do the responsible thing, I need to do the mature thing, I, I'm going to set aside the games. And I've done that at times in my life. The problem is, is that God made me to play games. Mm -hmm. I don't know why God made me to play games, but he's smart. And my responsibility as a follower of Jesus is to glorify God by appreciating everything he made me to be. He made me to play games. And so when I play games, I am honoring and glorifying God by living into that which he made me to be. And, you know, even better when I play games in a way that reflects him. Uh... But for me, and I think probably for you, and I think probably for a whole lot of people who are listening to this show, God made us to play games. Now, the world may call us the freaks, the world may call us the geeks, whatever. I embrace the fact that God made me a freak. I'm glad that he did it. Oh, yeah. And if that's the way he made me, then that's the way I'm going to be. And if you're out there listening, and I can almost guarantee that there are people listening to this show, because I know, because you've talked to me about it, that are like, I want to do these things, but I feel awkward about it. I feel weird about it, because it doesn't seem socially appropriate. Well, if God put the desire into your heart, if these are the things that when you think back on your childhood, when you think back on your life, the experiences that really make you excited about living and maybe even have connected you with God, 
that is his blessing for you. Engage it, appreciate it, accept it. And, uh, you know, if you happen to live in California, you can come over to KublaCon in a couple of weeks and come play a game with me. How about that? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm very excited about, and, and I kind of hinted at it on, on the Facebook. I, you know how when the Xbox 360 was coming out, they called it, what was it, Durango or whatever it was? Wasn't it Natal? No, Natal was the Connect. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, and so you get to think, I, I, I joke about the fact that, you know, so many great projects in history, before they've been given a name, they, they're given another name, a, a working name. Star Wars was not called Star Wars. It was called Blue Harvest. Bethesda's new game, The Evil Within, before that got announced, it was it was called Project Zway or whatever they however they pronounced it. I've referred to the the work that we're currently setting up right now that's still early days to the point that we can't openly discuss it yet as Project Awesome. And I'm very excited about Project Awesome because it's an opportunity for us to show people that, that God has called us not to just participate, but to literally go running into these situations that the church has been so terrified to get into and, and be a light to, of the gospel in these situations. To instead of, of being afraid of them or uncomfortable by them, to step into them that we might show Christ. And I'm super excited about this. I can't wait till, I mean, I, I, I hate the fact that there's so many variables that are still up in the air that we have to, to nail down before we can do it. But I will still shout that Project Awesome is amazing. I can't wait to get you guys involved in this. Uh, but we can say that there are stuff that we want to see happen with Game Store Profits. Game Store Profits is a part of Project Awesome. And it will continue. It will continue. There's no basically unchanged. There's no plans to get rid of this podcast in Project Awesome, but we do want to just open it up to you guys. We're definitely willing to see other stuff. We've been listening to a lot of other podcasts. We've been seeing what we like, what we don't like, what is us, what isn't us, and one thing that we would kick out to you guys is if there's any kind of like features or any kind of topics that you guys want us to address we've said it before and we will continue to say it this podcast is for you guys we thank you guys so much that there's more and more people that are contributing to the facebook page and that's awesome uh but if there's anything that you'd like to see us do if you'd like to like take a minute to do a review or if you'd like us to to really kick out the bible study or if there's anything that you want to see us do Give us a suggestion on the Facebook page, uh, at our email, uh, gamestoreprofits at gmail.com. And while we won't necessarily always do everything, if a handful of you guys start saying we want to see something happen, there's a good chance that Luke and I are going to make that work. And really encourage you to uh, to tell people about Game Store Profits. Maybe you have friends who are like, ah, dude, I, I don't know. I kind of want a game. I don't know. Send them over to us. We're so close to that 100 mark. I want... I, I, I can taste it. 
that 100 fan mark on Facebook. I can taste it. So we'd love to we'd love to get there with you guys. Um, and, you know, we're just thrilled. We really are. And, and the honest truth is that Mike and I put this thing together with very little thought. We're just like, hey, we know this is kind of a cool thing. It's a good idea. Let's try this. And uh, we, we had no agenda. We had no desire for it to be something. The conversation was literally a late night Skype session that ended with us saying, yeah, let's run this for a while and see what happens. Right. And, uh, you know, as we've done it, uh, it seems to us that God is opening more and more doors and that that really more important than that, he's bringing more and more people into the community and the extended community of Game Store Profits. And uh, and he has moved a bit and, and kind of shown both of us. And, and uh, you know, Mike and I, we live on other ends of the country. And, uh, you know, so a lot of our conversation is via text message. Um, and I cannot tell you how many times in this process of developing Project Awesome that I have texted something and basically said, oh, Mike would respond like, oh, yeah, I was, I literally was having the conversation while I got the text. Or <laughs> I, I, I said the exact same thing to my wife this morning. Or, and, you know, Ghana seems to be working on both of our hearts in a very incredibly detailed way that uh, uh, really does make it seem to us that, you know, this is not something that we're trying to build. It's not something that that uh, we're pushing for, but it, it definitely seems like it's God is moving. He's decided to move with us, so we're willing to do it. And uh, so we're excited. I, it'll be coming soon. It'll be coming soon. It will the best be. I can give you for now. And and until then, you can go on your Facebook pages and say, I, hashtag, I'm with Project Awesome. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, uh, not really. If you want to, you can, but that, that would be kind of hilarious. Uh, so, folks, uh, as always, just encourage you, uh, connect with Facebook pages, facebook.com slash GameStoreProfits, uh, GameStoreProfits at gmail.com, at, game, at GSProfits on uh, Twitter, uh, GameStoreProfits.com, of course. And Mike, uh, how can folks get uh, a hold of you, talk to you, connect with you, send you ideas, all of these good things? Uh, all those things you just listed are pretty much my primary internet presence right now. Um, I'm also, I'm kind of flittering about and doing other stuff like that. I'm, I'm doing a lot, not only in our community, but kind of hopping around the other geek faith community stuff um i'm kind of working with I'm, I'm talking with guys over at game church and i'm i'm kind of posting stuff on on their little community if if you're on facebook and you see somebody kind of post something from game church city that's another thing we don't we're we're not about the business of you can't go hang out with other cool people doing other cool things uh, we love it that you guys hang out with us. Go hang out with the guys at Game Church. Go hang out with the Geek Preacher. Go hang out with... There, the, there's so many cool people out there. Do that. Share that with us. Yeah, I'm I'm floating around Facebook like it's going out of style right now. I think uh, it might be. It probably is, but I don't <sighs> care because I'm doing it anyway. I'm, I'm there. You might as well, might as well enjoy it. Absolutely. 
Luke, what about you? Uh, the best place is to go to LukeNavarro.com, and uh, I occasionally put random thoughts up up there, and uh, I think that as Project Awesome unfolds, that will probably increase. Um, and uh, you can also follow me on Facebook at Luke Navarro. And uh, folks, thank you so much for listening 47 episodes in, and we want to remind you, as we always do, that God is the Game Master, and no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.